0: Hey everybody, this is Joe McCall and this is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm recording this from Prague. A lot of you know that I'm here and I've been talking about it a lot in previous episodes, but we are here in Prague in the Czech Republic for three months with my family. My wife, our four kids, and we did leave our dog at home in St. Louis. We left her with a friend. We did not bring our dog with us on this trip. But anyway, this podcast is going to be a special episode because I'm going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart, something that I've been doing for a long time, it's the strategy that helped me quit my job back in 2009. And something that I've helped a lot of people do. I've done hundreds of these deals before. It's about it's going to be about lease options. It's going to be about specifically wholesaling lease options. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately because the last couple of years I've been focusing a lot on just traditional wholesaling because there's so much money coming back into the market. I'm still doing a lot of traditional wholesaling deals. It's most of what I'm doing now, but I'm starting to look more seriously at doing more lease option deals and again, start focusing on that for several reasons. And I'm going to be talking about that in this episode, but I see now with the market coming back, prices starting to come up again. And I'm starting to see a lot of opportunity and I really, really love lease options. So I'm in a sense I'm kind of coming back to my first love as it were with lease options. And I'm gonna be talking about why lease options. I'm gonna be talking about giving you actually very specific steps to doing lease option deals, lease option flips. I'm going to be talking about licensing issues. I'm going to be talking about a survey that I'm doing now, because I want to get your feedback on this, and I want to see if this is something that you're interested in, if you think this is a good time in the market to get back into lease options. And I'm going to be doing a webinar real soon here. Part of the reason why I've created this podcast is because of this survey that I'm doing and the webinar that I have coming up, because I'm updating my course. It's been a couple years since I last updated my Wholesaling Lease Options course, And so I'm doing that again, and it's going to be, I'm going to be calling it, I don't know, 3.0 or something like that. And I'm going to be putting more of an emphasis into the different profit centers that you can use for lease options. So instead of making it just specifically on wholesaling lease options, that's going to be a major emphasis in it, but it's going to be how to get cash now, how to get cash flow, and how to get cash later using lease options. I love lease options. They allow you to control property without owning it. It's a very, very powerful, simple strategy, very little risk involved. And it's my favorite strategy of all of them. It's got helped. Again, it's what helped me get started in this business so long ago. So, I do have a survey. I'm going to be giving you a link to at the end of this podcast. I have a webinar coming up. If you're interested, even if you're listening to this six months later down the road, a year or two down the road, uh, you can probably still watch a replay of the webinar and still take the survey. I'd love to get your responses on that. Uh, so, I already talked about. I'm looking at my mind map right now. I did update my. I'm updating my course. I'm actually, by the way, through the next six to seven or eight weeks that I'm going to be here, I'm actually going to be doing a deal. a a lease option deal in St. Louis where I, where my main home is. And I'm going to be demonstrating that to the, the, the the group coaching students that I'm going to be working with actually demonstrating me doing a deal live in real time, as it were in St. Louis from Prague here in the Czech Republic. All right. So uh, I'm excited about that. Now why lease options? Let's talk about this for a little bit. I love lease options and specifically wholesaling lease options because they're fast and easy to do. It's a great strategy for beginners. Even if you're an experienced investor, it's a great tool to have in your tool belt because there's so many deals. If you do a lot of marketing, there's so many deals out there that just don't have much equity in them or maybe not enough equity. Or if they do have equity, they are not interested in sharing any of it with you. It's a great strategy For If you wanted to focus on nice homes in nice areas, because there's, you know, there's a lot of risk sometimes in dealing with uh, homes that are in rough areas for various reasons. But a lot of times to do anything with those kinds of deals, you have to get them at 50, 60 cents on the dollar. And it takes a special kind of landlord who's willing to invest in properties in those areas. And so one of the reasons I mean when I was starting to do this I was doing a lot of marketing I was doing some traditional wholesaling deals but I was getting real frustrated because I was throwing away so many leads that didn't have any equity and I was wasn't able to go see the house and talk to the sellers because I had a full-time job and I found that you know to get those bottom of the barrel motivated sellers that are willing to give away their property it takes a lot of work you know you got to build rapport with them you got to go and look at the house and inspect it and You can make great money doing that. Don't get me wrong. We're still doing that today. But I wanted something that was easier. And I feel like in lease options, it was easier. It it can be easier many times to negotiate these deals on the phone without seeing the house. And because you're only working with nicer houses and nicer neighborhoods, you don't have to have a ton of equity. And you're dealing with just a better clientele, as it were, okay? You're dealing with in neighborhoods where people want to live in. They want to buy homes in. So anytime you get a lease option in a good middle-class, bread-and-butter, blue-collar neighborhood like this with good school districts, medium-priced homes, you know, you're going to sell those things like hotcakes. There's a huge demand for them. If you look at all of the homes that sold in your market and rank them from low to high and put them on a bell curve, You can find the median price home, which is at the height of that bell curve. That median area right there is where you want to be because that's where the highest demand is. That's where most of the homes are being bought and sold right now. And so if you can tie up a property on a lease option, that is the perfect place that you want to be in and you can sell those things really fast. So consequently, there's very little competition for these deals. Most investors are out there doing a lot of marketing are find, trying to find the properties that have a lot of equity in them. Well, guess what? There's a lot more properties in these areas that don't have equity. And if you looked at all of the sellers out there, it's only a small percentage of them that are highly motivated enough that they're willing to sell their property with a lot of equity and, and share that equity with you. Does that make sense? So the pool is bigger there are still, even in the market, the prices are coming back, there are still tons and tons of sellers that would like to sell their property but can't, okay? Because either they don't have enough equity, they can't afford to pay the realtor's commissions, um, or if to sell, they maybe do have equity, but they're not willing to give all of it up, okay? And then at the other side of the coin, there's a ton of tenant buyers or buyers out there right now that would like to buy a house but can't because they're still... Uh, a couple years away, three years away from a foreclosure. They maybe lost a job. They have medical bills. Something bad happened to a good person and they have a good reason for bad credit. Does that make sense? So there's a lot of sellers who can't sell a house right now. They want to, but can't. There's a lot of buyers who want to buy a house right now, but can't. I don't know the numbers, but it's in the tens of millions Across the United States, and so these deals in a lot of ways are easier to find they're easier to negotiate, and there's a lot less risk involved for you the investor so they're fast they're easy deals once you if you if you're focusing on the right neighborhoods, these are fast to sell very very easy to sell it's a great strategy for beginners there's very little risk involved because you just have these properties you tied them up on options all right an option allows you to control a property without owning it. And if a deal goes bad or if the deal is something you just can't uh, find a buyer for, it's just an option. So you can cancel the option at any time, okay? I'm going through my mind map here. And by the way, I'll go ahead and maybe put a mind map, the the mind map notes that I have here into the show notes. So if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and look up this episode, you can actually find the mind map and take a look at it if you want. All right, Um you can close deals very easily without seeing the house. So it's easy for me to do these deals from Prague. And I'll show you. By the way, when I was here in Prague three years ago, I actually was having my team of virtual assistants close the deals for me in St. Louis. They were actually tying up the properties for me. And I was taking those, prop, those contracts that I had and was giving them to my realtor who was uh, selling the homes very quickly and easily. So this business is very easy to outsource. You can outsource your marketing uh, to virtual assistants. And I'm going to show you some of my favorite marketing strategies here in a minute. And you can also outsource the selling of the property, the advertising of the properties to other people. And I recommend you outsource that to realtors. All right. Now, this is a great retirement strategy. And this is something that I'm going to be focusing more on in my revised updated course and in my group coaching program that I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be talking about Cash now, cash flow, and cash later, because it's time to start thinking about retirement. And this is how I got into the business, started thinking about retirement, but I was not, I was going about it all wrong. I was buying a lot of properties and counting on appreciation, and I got burnt. A lot of people listening to this know what I'm talking about. You got burnt as well. The fundamentals weren't there. So it's really, really important that you focus on the fundamentals so you buy it right. You make your profit when you buy, not when you sell. So it's important to start looking at deals better, more conservatively. So when you're making offers to buy a house and you want to stay in the middle, maybe you don't want to use your own credit. Maybe you don't have good enough credit right now, right? But you want to control property. You want to still get the benefits and the advantages of buying property, but you don't need to go out and get a mortgage for it. And this is different than subject twos as well because we're not taking over the mortgages, okay? So in my opinion, I think lease options are a lot better than subject twos or contract for deeds because there's less risk involved. Okay, I was also making the mistake six seven years ago when I started doing lease options or and, and when I was doing subject twos, I was borrowing private money on these properties. And guess what? Lease options you can't borrow private money, which is a good thing. Okay, uh, I don't want to go into all the details of that, but so it's time to start thinking about retirement now and it's start it's time to start thinking about building your own inventory of rental properties in nice areas, okay? And guess what? You don't have to go out and get mortgages for all of these. So there's no the sky's the limit. You can get as many houses as you want. And I want you to focus on the nice houses in the nice neighborhoods. That normally, if you were to go get a loan, um there wouldn't be much cash flow involved in these properties. But they're in good they're in good neighborhoods. They're going to appreciate better than other areas in your in your market. And it's a great way to get cash now. You get cash now. I'll talk about this in a minute. You get cash now, you get cash flow, and you get cash later. All right. Prices are starting to go up in good markets, and now you can start controlling property without owning it, without getting your own mortgage, which is a really, really powerful strategy because now you're not limited to how much money you have in the bank, what your credit score is, what your debt to income ratio is. A lot of you guys are entrepreneurs, and you have, you know, you're you're working for yourself. You don't have a W nine or whatever those are called. It's been so long. Um, you know, W two, what is it where, you know, you don't, you can't, that's what the banks, that's who they want to give loans to. Right. And so a lot of you guys are limited. Even if you had good credit, you could only get like six loans or 10 loans in your name or whatever it is. Right. But now the, this is completely different with lease options. You can actually make very, very good money. And, um, in the webinar that I'm going to be doing, I'll talk with you about this here later in in this podcast, but, um, I'm gonna be throwing out some pretty crazy numbers out there, and I have to be real careful because I can't make income claims. I can't guarantee or promise that you can make this kind of money, but you can make fantastic, ridiculous amounts of money in a very short time frame doing lease options. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So, all right, that's kind of why lease options, right? Hope that all makes sense. And I'm no I'm this is kind of weird doing a podcast on my own. I'm I'm used to having somebody to bounce the ideas off like Alex uh, but I just wanted to get this done right away. So with everything, no matter what kind of real estate you're doing, I like to th- think of it and in, in, in break it down into three simple keys, okay? Three keys that you got to keep in the back of your mind whenever you're looking at a strategy or looking to build your business. You want to make sure things are simple, that it's systemized, and that, it, that you can scale it. And I, I call it the three S's. You want to start with simple, right? You want to make sure that whatever you're doing or if you decide to do lease options or wholesaling lease options or sandwich lease options, whatever, you want to make sure it's simple. Keep everything really, really simple. And once it's simple, then you build a system around that. And then once you have a system around that, you can scale that up. Okay. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Simple system scale, make sure it's simple first, then create a system around that simple thing, and then scale the system. Does that make sense? So Everything starts with marketing, right? It's important to have a marketing plan. We're not in the real estate business, we're not in the lease option business, we are in the marketing business business. Okay. So it's important in your marketing plan to target the right markets. And I'm gonna tell you that you should be focusing on not the cheap in neighborhoods, not the really expensive neighborhoods, but the medium-priced neighborhoods, the blue-collar areas, the places that have good school districts, where the bread and butter homes are, first-time home buyers are buying homes in there. If you look at all the homes in your county, Focus on that middle price range, that median price range area, and maybe the the, um, 25% above that and 25% below that. Why? Because you can only sell homes people want to buy. Okay, listen, the easiest way to make money in real estate is to do what's easy, (laughs) okay? So if you're going to do what's easy, then focus on the areas that are going to be easy to sell. Now, when you're doing traditional wholesaling, you have to focus on the cash flow areas. You have to focus on the areas where the cash flow is really high, where you can get 15% cash on cash on your money, right? Well, many times those are neighborhoods. They're not bad neighborhoods, but they're neighborhoods where maybe 50, 60% of the homeowners of the homes there are owned by landlords. That's not the area you want to focus on. You want to focus on the place where maybe 75, 80% of the owners there are homeowners that actually live in the home. Does that make sense? So you want to focus on where people want to live. And a great way to do this, to find out where are those places that people want to live, if you just go to Trulia or you Google, just Google your county and then the word heat map. Like, uh, you know, I'm just, I don't know what county Indianapolis is in, right? But Indianapolis heat map. Google that. It'll take you to a Trulia link. And in there, you'll see a heat map. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a chart with all of the neighborhoods or the zip codes, and there'll be a column on the right-hand side for popularity. And you can sort that list by popularity, and you can see the most sought-after zip codes. When somebody goes into Trulia, it'll tell you the zip codes that most people look for homes in. And that's where you want to be, as long as it's in the median price range. Does that make sense? So it all starts with marketing. Now, it starts with marketing for sellers. And what are my favorite sources to find sellers Well, it starts with Craigslist. I like going after expired listings. I like to find rentals on Zillow. And also I like to get deals from other wholesalers and rehabbers. let me kind of break this down um, in some little more detail. With Craigslist, I like my VAs to go in every day and find 10 to 20 or 30 different phone numbers or different ads for properties that are you know what I have them do is I have them like in St. Louis go look for rentals that are over $1,000 a month in rent. And I tell them to exclude the apartments, but look for the nicer properties that are over $1,000 a month in rent. I know in in LA that's that's still going to be a shack, right? <laughs> but um that's going to eliminate, you know, 50% of the properties that are under $1,000 that are probably in those not so nice neighborhoods. And so over a thousand a month, three plus bedrooms. And I have them put all those phone numbers into a spreadsheet and I have them send a simple text message or an email or a slide dial voice message to the landlord who's advertising that property with a simple message that says, Hey, I saw your rental on Craigslist. You wouldn't be interested in selling it, would you? That's it. Okay. I also have them go into the fizz for sale by owners and look for homes that are maybe over a hundred thousand dollars that are three plus bedrooms. And I'll ask them, I saw your property on Craigslist. You wouldn't be interested in leasing it for a couple of years and then selling it, would you? All right, so they send out those texts, those emails, those voice messages, and then I just answer, or anybody that responds to that, I get on the phone and I talk to them. Okay, I also like sending postcards or yellow letters to a couple different sources um, I like going after expired listings in the nicer neighborhoods not the expensive homes not the cheap ones but if I can get expired listings I like to send them a simple letter just a couple sentences hey I know this is out of the blue I saw your property I wouldn't I was wondering if you would be interested in leasing it for a couple years and then selling it all right um, and then I also like to in Zillow as well I, I look in the nicer zip codes. I find the properties that are listed for rent in there, and then I have my assistant go into the county records and find the owner's mailing address of those rental properties, and I'll send them simple yellow letters. Okay. Uh, also, other wholesalers, There's a lot of rehabbers out there who rehab homes, and you know they put it on the market and it's just overpriced. They they put too much work into it, and they you know they don't have the room to discount the property anymore. There's a lot of other rehabbers out there and wholesalers who get these properties and they can't sell them for the price that they need to sell them for. And they become very interested when you tell them about lease options. Listen, I I can get you the price that you need if you're willing to lease your property to me for a couple years and then sell it. So other rehabbers are a great source for lease options. All right. Now, You get that, you send out that marketing, you get the seller to call and you talk to them real simple. Then, um, and I'm going to be talking a little bit here about, um, how important is, oh yeah, this is it. Actually, I'm in the right spot looking at my mind (laughs) map. So obviously there's like four keys to doing this, right? You you do the marketing, you talk to sellers, you got to talk to sellers. And then third, you got to make offers and make lots of offers and four, follow up. So marketing, talk to sellers. Um, make offers and follow up. This business really boils down to those four things. I mean, if nothing else, don't complicate it. Don't complicate it any more than it needs to be. That's is, that is it. And and if you're not talking, I tell people all the time, you got to have a minimum goal to talk to at least five sellers a day. If you can talk to five sellers a day, and by the way, you should be making an offer to every seller who you talk to, right? So you're making five offers a day. Don't go to bed until you talk to five sellers. Well, maybe I should be careful about that. Like, okay, um, you know, move to Europe so that you can not go to bed because of the time zone changes before you talk to five sellers or something. But talk to five sellers a day. Can you imagine if you make five offers a day, that's 150 offers a month. Do you think you could do a couple deals a month by making 150 offers? Very, very easy. So when I talk to sellers... It's real simple. I just ask them questions, you know, like what's your situation? What would you like to see happen? Okay, if I can make that happen for you, how quickly do you need to sell your house? Just talk to them, have a conversation. Uh you know, I like to ask something like, Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about your property to see if it would even be something I'd be interested in? I want them to sell me on their house, right? I'm the buyer, I'm the one making the offer to buy their house. I'm not selling them on a program. I'm just gonna be making an offer to buy their house. Now, Lease option may not be a good fit for them. That's fine. But I want them to tell me about their house. I'm looking for, I like to say, you know, I'm looking for a nicer house in a nice area that I could maybe lease for a couple years and then buy. That wouldn't work for you, would it? Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about your property to see if it would be a good fit for me or to see if I could even help you or not? I don't want to waste your time. So a question might be, you know, you wouldn't be interested in leasing your house for a couple years and then selling it, would you? Or, you know, I'm an investor. I'm looking for a property that I could lease for a couple years and then buy it would that work for you or probably not? Simple questions like that. Okay. And then I make offers. I make offers all the time to every single seller that I talk to. They may tell me no. And in fact, you're going to get way more no's than you are yeses, Okay. By the way, a lot of times sellers are going to tell you, well, just send me something in the mail and I'll look at it and get back to you. Well, you know, I, I, that, that's fine. I'd still send them something in the mail, but when I send them something, I, I try to get a deadline from them. Well, listen, okay, if I send you something, um, when can I expect to hear back from you? Let's schedule another call. Do you want to talk tomorrow night at at six or tomorrow morning at nine? Something like that, right? So if you do send them something, get a deadline for when you are expect to hear back from them. So a lot of times they're going to send you something, uh, but it's just because they don't know, they don't want to say no. They're afraid to say no. They're not interested. So I like to come back and even say, listen, it's okay for you to tell me no. I just want you to relax and and know that it's okay to tell me this isn't for you. So I don't want to waste any more of your time. Do you feel like a lease option might be a good fit for you or or probably not? So give them permission to tell you no. You're pulling back. It's important that you play the reluctant buyer, okay? So every seller I talk to, I'm going to send them something in the mail. I like to send them a simple cover up cover letter and I like to send attach, maybe uh, a, a, an offer to lease purchase their property, maybe give them a couple different options. One of the options I like to tell them is the, my, my perfect tenant program. I will be the tenant that will rent your property from you and then sublease it out. So I'll take care of the maintenance and repairs. I'll make sure the rent is paid, whether it's vacant or not. That's my sandwich lease option strategy, okay? And if the numbers don't work, then I'm just going to assign my contract to another tenant buyer. So on both different options, I can give them different prices. All right. Most sellers that you talk to are definitely most interested in me being the tenant (laughs) because I'm going to take care of the property, whether it's vacant or not. As long as the numbers work, you can do that. And I'm going to show you how you can do those deals and make a ton of money with those. So I'm always going to send a seller an offer in the mail. And there's very easy ways to do that. And then you're going to follow up. So when you're calling sellers back, you're going to get a lot of voicemails. It's important you call them every day until you get a hold of them. If they have some interest, um, you know, but it's up, the property is listed with the realtor. You want to just set yourself up a task in podio to call them again in another month or two. So by the way, all of this stuff, you have to have a CRM to track these leads. You need to have some way to track these leads, and these sellers. And I suggest Podio so you can follow up with them. Your most important list that you could ever have is your follow-up list. A lot of times when a seller says no, it just means not yet, all right? They may not be motivated enough yet. They may need some time to cook. So you need to give them time, but always be persistent. Always follow up, okay? Now, let's say the seller says, yes, I'll do a lease purchase. Okay, great. All you're going to do then is you're going to tie the property up with a simple lease option agreement. And I have a simple one page agreement that I use. I'm not going to go into all the details. Um, but I approach every deal. Like I'm going to stay in the middle. Okay. I approach every single deal. Like I am going to be staying in the middle. It just makes it a lot easier to explain to everybody, especially if there's realtors involved. Okay. So I approach every deal. Like I'm going to be staying in the middle. I give the seller a lease option contract with me being the tenant buyer. So there's that, I call that the A to B contract, okay? The A to B is between me, the buyer, or the tenant buyer, and the seller as the seller or the landlord or the optionor. They're the one giving the option. I'm the optionee receiving the option, okay? And I keep that under a simple one-page option agreement. And, and there's different ways to do it. I understand the importance of having a separate lease and a separate option agreement, but that's what I give to the tenant buyer. Okay, so now I have this property under contract, okay? And I've been laid out my intentions to everybody. It's very, I'm not hiding anything. I'm full disclosure, everything. I'm not going to be living in the house. This is an investment property, all right? I'm going to be subleasing it out to a tenant buyer, okay? So now I'm going to be advertising the contract or the property as a lease option, Okay. And I'm going to be talking about licensing issues in a minute. So just, I know some of you are asking th- or thinking about these kinds of questions. So there's really kind of three ways that I I think the best to find um, tenant buyers. And you want to make sure, number one, that it's a nice house and that it's priced competitively. I mean, if market rents in the area are $1,300 and you're trying to get $1,500, it's probably not going to work. So make sure that it's, it's, a, it's a good home and it's affordable. It's not, you know, you're not trying to ask for too much for it. So there's three things I like to do. Number one, bandit signs. Signs in the yard, signs in the neighborhood on the weekend. They work like gangbusters, I'm telling you, okay? And then Craigslist. I like to put ads in Craigslist every day or every second day. I put most of my ads in the for rent section and I'll do maybe one ad a a week in the for sale by owner section. And then third, I like to do postlets. I do a for rent postlet and a for sale postlet. And so if you do those three things, and if you haven't found a good tenant buyer within four or six weeks, then something's really wrong. It's overpriced. The house is ugly. It's in a bad area uh, or, or I don't know what else, but or it's overpriced. Maybe I already said that. If if you can do bandit signs, put a sign in the yard, signs out on the weekend, put it on Craigslist in the for rent section and create postlets for rent and for sale, So it gets put on Zillow and you can't find somebody in four to six weeks. Something is wrong. Um, and it's usually it's overpriced or it's in a bad neighborhood, or it just needs too much work. Okay, All of those calls need to go to voicemail. On a voicemail, you could set up, it's an outgoing message that explains a little bit about the property. It tells people, listen, this is a property that is for lease purchase. We're looking for somebody who wants to buy this house in in one or two years. This is not just for regular rent. So if you're interested in purchasing this house, leasing it for a couple years, and then buying the house... Leave him, Leave your name and number at the sound of the tone, all right? And I like to have a realtor to work with that takes all of those calls and calls those tenant buyers back. Um, I don't make them jump through a bunch of hoops. I want them to go see the house. If they like it, they fill out an application. Generally speaking, I'm trying to get an option deposit of three to five percent. And one of the cool things about this, and I'll talk about in the cash now, cash flow, and cash later, I will many times finance those option deposits. So if I'm trying to get five grand down and they only have three, I'm still going to take them and I'll create a note for the remaining $2,000. Okay. And by the way, if this is a really cool strategy, if you create these notes on these option deposits and the tenant buyer defaults and doesn't buy the home and leaves, you can write off those, um, that the note that wasn't paid in full, you can write that off as a loss in your taxes. Now, talk to an tax. An advisor, I'm not an accountant, um, but that's a cool thing that you could do um, if they don't pay. You can write that off as a loss on your taxes, which we all need to do, right? All right, so you get some applications. What do you do next? You want to make sure you're setting this up for win win win, everybody involved, okay? You got to be above board. I've seen people teach this and it makes me sick to my stomach that you. I've heard, I've heard people say this, you, you you want to get a tenant buyer or you hope that they don't buy the house because then you can release it to another tenant buyer. Wrong, 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 a 100 times over. You want a tenant buyer who has a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years, okay? You want them to buy the house. You're not trying to get the first person in there who has the largest deposit. That's not how you'd play this game. You want to get a tenant buyer in there who has a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years. If you see, if it's a $150,000 house and they have a $100,000 uh, judgment for unpaid child support um, or the tax lien of $100,000 or whatever, and you know there's no chance that they could ever pay that off in the next couple of years, but they maybe have 20 grand to put down on the house, don't give them the home. Okay? Just don't. They don't have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage. So you want to make sure that they have good employment, a good job history. You want to make sure they have good rental history. And you want a mortgage broker working with you on your team that can look at their credit and tell you, "Yes, they can get a mortgage if they do this and this in the next one or two years." Okay? And that mortgage broker can hopefully help you work with that tenant buyer over the next one or two years into in a good credit repair program, all right? Now, some of these deals You're going to be doing them as a sandwich lease option, or some of them are going to be a wholesaling lease option. The difference is a sandwich lease option, you're staying in the middle, and a wholesaling lease option deal, you're just assigning your contract. So let's say there's no equity, and I'll give an example deal here in a minute. Um, you're just gonna be assigning your interest in that contract to the tenant buyer and you're gonna be out of the deal. If there is equity, you can stay in the middle. And you gotta make sure that my general rule of thumb, it needs about 15% equity in the deal. And I need to have at least two to $300 a month in cash flow in the deal. And a lot of times I'll approach the sellers, and if it's a sandwich lease option, I'll say, listen, I could get you the same equity you'd get if you sold through a realtor, if you're willing to wait for it. And I walk through the numbers and I show them, if you were to sell this property through a realtor, after taking in the discount that you'll probably get on the asking price, the realtor commissions you're going to have to pay, the closing costs, the concessions you're going to have to have, you know, like to fix things up from an inspection, you know, waiting on the market for six months before it sells, da 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 da. da, da. You're only going to be making like fifteen percent or eighty-five percent of what your original list price is. All right. And I can show them that pretty convincingly. And I can say, listen, I can get you that same price without all the hassle, and I I can buy it today if you're willing to lease it for a couple of years and then sell it. Does that make sense? So I can get you the same equity if you sold through a realtor, if you work through me. And I can stop the bleeding right now. Um, So that's kind of like a sandwich lease option. Now, you want to make sure that you have an attorney or an escrow company help help you set this stuff up. Um, It's really important that you have a third party pay the mortgage. Whether you're staying in the middle or you're signing your interest out, you want a third party escrow company to be collecting the rent from the tenant buyer and paying the seller's mortgage. Even if you're staying in the middle, you should be doing that because you want to avoid the situation of getting a tenant buyer in the house. Um, Six, eight months later, the tenant buyer gets a notice, hey, uh, this house is being foreclosed on because guess what? The seller's been collecting the rent and not paying the mortgage. So you want to make sure that the mortgage is being collected and being paid every single month. Now, let's walk through an example deal this will be an example deal for a sandwich lease option. Let's say the ARV or the after repair value of a house is 150 grand. So it's right there in the median price range. The seller owes about 130, okay? Now, I can't make a cash offer to buy their house because there's not enough equity in there, but there's enough equity I might be interested in doing a sandwich lease option, holding this property for maybe three to five years or more, and uh, keeping this property in my portfolio. Okay. The payments are about thousand dollars a month, and that's what I'm going to offer to pay the seller in rent. All right, which really the escrow company again is collecting that money from me and paying the mortgage. Okay, company. So the payments are about a thousand a month. That includes taxes and insurance. And I'm renting it out. The market rents are thirteen hundred, so I'm gonna be advertising that as a lease option for thirteen hundred a month in rent. So there's about twenty grand in equity. Automatically, right when I buy it. And there's about $300 a month in cash flow from the difference between the PITI and the rent. Now, when you're doing deals, whether you're buying properties and holding them with a mortgage or you're buying properties with a sandwich lease option, it's always, always, always important that you save all that cash flow in the bank to cover expenses to cover vacancies, to cover maybe some repairs down the road or something that you need to do to take care of the property. So always, always save that, any cash flow you're getting in the bank. Believe me, I got into big trouble six, seven years ago when I was buying a bunch of homes. I thought I could spend that cash flow money. Well, when the market crashed, all of a sudden half of my homes were vacant. Oh, it was a disaster. I don't want to go into that. All right. So on a sandwich lease option, I'm going to be the tenant buyer. All right. It's I have a contract A to B, me and the seller. I'm going to find a tenant buyer, a B2C. And so I'm going to mark the price up a little bit to the tenant buyer. I have it under contract to buy it for $130 within five years. And then I turn around and I sell it to a tenant buyer for maybe $155 within the next one or two years. Okay. So where does the cash flow, cash now, and cash later come in? Well, cash now, my profit center comes in where... I'm getting some cash now up front from the tenant buyer when they're placed in the property, okay? I'm getting cash flow by the spread between what the payments are to the, to the seller and what the rents are from the tenant buyer, okay? And sometimes I'm also getting some cash flow from the notes that I create from the option deposits. So maybe they only have three grand now. I'll create a note for $100, $200 a month for the difference of the option deposit that I need from them. So that's another source of great cash flow, okay? And then cash later is the spread between the A to B price and the B to C price. So sometimes um, the tenant buyer may not buy the house, they have a job relocation, they have to move, or let's just say I evict them because they're, they're late on their rent. Well, that's fine. I can keep the option deposit, and guess what, maybe it's a year or two down the road, the price goes up a little bit, okay? So the longer you hold these deals... The more money you actually make, obviously, right? So just keep that in mind. Think about those three things: cash now, cash flow, cash later. And if you do enough of these deals, you'll be surprised. You look at the numbers, and I'm going to talk about this on the webinar. Um, if you just buy like one sandwich lease option deal, you get one sandwich lease option deal a month and one wholesaling lease option deal a month. So you're just doing two deals a month. Excuse me. Um, you can you can get pretty quickly up to five or $6,000 a month in cash flow, all right, pretty quickly, and you can get to a million dollars in uh, cash flow and equity within a few years, okay? Now, I'm not making any guarantees or promises. I can tell you this right up front. This isn't a get-rich-quick business. You've got to work. You've got to do a lot of marketing. You've got to treat this like a business, not like a hobby, and guess what? Most people will not do it, most people will not make five grand a month doing lease options. Most people will not make a million dollars in four or five years doing lease options, okay? Most people will not. So let me be very clear, even if there were no requirements by the FCC to make those kinds of disclaimers, I'm just here to tell you that's the God's honest truth. Most people listening to this try to make money in real estate and do not. The percentages are very, very small, so you need to decide if you're going to be doing it or not. Okay, makes sense? Profit centers for sandwich lease options, profit now, profit spread out over the months, and profit at the back end. Now, let's say there's not enough equity in the deal. Let's say it's you want to do it as a wholesaling lease option. You're just going to flip it. So the, the house is worth about $150,000, but the seller owes $145,000. So it's not a deal I want to stay in the middle in, but I bet you I can find a tenant buyer who would love to have that property, okay? So I tie it up as a lease option. I'm approaching that, and, and maybe I do stay in the middle. I mean, I know investors who are in really, really hot markets in Colorado who will stay in those kinds of deals because the prices keep on going up. That's such a good market right now. They'll stay in the middle and hold that property for five or 10 years. So let's say you're in a good area like that and the house is worth 150. They owe close to 150. But you know what? There's still a hundred, two hundred dollar a month spread in the cash flow. The mortgage, underwriting mortgage, underlying mortgage is really good. It's a low interest rate and the and the the interest rate doesn't change. There's, you know, maybe 15 years left in the mortgage. So maybe you do stay in the middle on those deals. Okay. So my point is always approach a deal like you're going to stay in the middle. All right. Because, you know, and and then you tie it up on a longer-term lease option. If you do stay in the middle, tie it up on a lease option for maybe 10 years, okay? And when you are staying in the middle, it's really important that you record a memorandum of option on that property in the county records so the seller can never sell it out from underneath you, okay? So you want to make sure that you cloud the title if you're staying in the middle. But this may be a deal. You Even though there's not much spread, you will stay in the middle. But let's say, you know, you just decide, I, I I don't want this property anymore. I'm just going to assign my interest a way you can do that. Okay. Now, when you assign the contract, you have a simple one-page contract with the seller to lease option the property. Now I'm a principal. I have equitable interest in this property. Now I can sell my interest to somebody else. Now I'll talk about licensing issues here next, but When I'm advertising the property, since I'm not going to be staying in the middle, I am just advertising the contract. I'm I'm advertising the contract and I'm selling the contract for a fee. You can't advertise a property you don't own, okay? Or have equitable interest in, like real equitable interest in. Does that make sense? Now, how do I make a profit when I'm doing that? I collect the assignment fee as as my profit, okay? So that could be anywhere from three to 5% of the deal. I keep that as my, option as my assignment fee. Now there's a whole bunch of other issues involved with whether that tenant buyer can get that money back as part of their future down payment when they get a mortgage in one or two years. That all depends on so many different things. Um, and, and you got to make sure that the ten- that the mortgage broker that the tenant buyer is working with understands lease options and sets it up where they'll do their best to get that option deposit money Back as part of their future down payment if and when they get a mortgage, but there are no promises or guarantees that they will. Does that make sense? Nowhere in the contract can you promise that that tenant buyer will get that money applied back as part of their future down payment. Okay, I wanna be very, very clear about that. I've seen it happen where it does, and I've also seen it happen where it doesn't. Um, and it's, it's also important then that you have that option money made out to your escrow company or to your attorney. So when that tenant buyer does try to get a loan a year or two down the road, they show that the option deposit was not made to some investor. It was made to an escrow company. It's all legit and above board. So it's important to get an attorney to help you with this. Does that make sense? So a wholesaling lease option deal, you're just in and out really fast. If there's not enough equity, or maybe if it's a little upside down and you want to stay in the middle, that's great. Maybe do a longer lease option. Kind of depends on the market you're in, the appreciation. You know, if it's in California, for example, and I'm looking at a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house, but it's in a hot area and they owe three hundred fifty on it, um, I'll probably stay in the middle as long as the 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 mortgage payment is probably what it would rent for. Does that make sense? Um, as long as I'm not paying a little bit every month, because I know those properties are going to go up. Okay. Um, and again, let's say it doesn't let's say the the, the 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 market crashes again, all you have, you just tied up that property on a lease option. All you need to do is just go back to the seller and say, look, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to exercise my option to buy this house. I have a good tenant in here. I'm just going to cancel my lease option agreement. You can have the tenant that's already in here and you can walk away from those deals, okay? Because you're not taking over the mortgage. You're not taking over the deed, right? You're just lease optioning the property. I hope that makes sense. Okay, now let's talk about licensing issues. Here's the deal. I am a licensed agent. I have a, a license with Keller Williams. And um, I recommend to folks that you get your license. There's a big debate on the topic. A lot of people uh, argue back and forth whether you should have a license or not. They complain that, well, you're going to be held to a higher standard if you have your license. There's certain things you can't do if you have your license. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm on the side of the fence where, listen, it's okay to be held to a higher standard. If you set it up right, if you're working with a right broker, you can still do your own deals without having to do them through the brokerage. Now, I understand there's issues that come up that realtors have to deal with that only that people who are investors and not realtors don't have to deal with. But I'm I'm from my, in my experience there's a lot more opportunity if you are licensed. And it also helps with all of the brokering of that license issues that are out there. Okay, so it's important to get an attorney's opinion on this. I'm not, I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm not an attorney. I'm not pretending to be an attorney. So you have to check your local state laws, talk to an attorney about this. I recommend you get your license because some of these deals, you're going to be assigning your interest out. And that may be a gray area to a local real estate commission. So you never pretend to be a broker, but let's say if you're not, you never try to be or pretend to be a broker when you're really not. Does that make sense? Now, um, it's important that you fully disclose and you're open about everything that you're doing with sellers and buyers. You never pretend to be a realtor. Um, so some people will tell you you can't wholesale deals without a license. I say that's BS, okay? I recommend you get your license. You don't have to have your license to do these deals, but I recommend that you do. And if you don't want to get your license, then this is something that I'd recommend you review with your attorney, okay? Number one, Always go into the deal with the intention of staying in the middle of it, okay, with the intention of buying it. Always come into a deal with the intention of buying it. Now, you can change your mind. There's no law anywhere in the United States that says you cannot assign a contract, okay? You can only not assign a contract if the contract specifically says you can't, okay? And every contract out there, unless it specifically says you cannot assign it, you can assign it to someone else, and you can assign it to someone else for a fee. So always go into a deal with the intention of staying in the middle of it, all right? Number two, I would recommend if you're not an agent, even if you are, you hire a realtor to market your property for you, okay? That's one of the first things you should outsource anyway. Why not outsource it to a realtor? So don't, you don't want to be taking the calls because you're going to be getting a lot of them because you're having nice houses, you're advertising them properly, <laughs> and the terms are good, all right? So you're going to be getting a lot of calls. So just hire a realtor for 500 to to 1000 bucks. You can get them to do all of that work for you. Advertise it, take the calls, show the properties, take the applications, handle the paperwork, everything like that. In my system, I have a checklist. Just give the realtor that checklist and say, take care of this for me, okay? And, um, uh, you're going to pay for that one way or another, you might as well pay somebody else to do it who can devote more time to it. Now, if you decide that you are going to assign the contract, if you go after you got the property under contract and you realize, you know, I don't want to stay in the middle of this thing, then you can assign the contract, but it's important that you advertise the contract, not the property. Let me explain, repeat that again. You're advertising the contract, not the property. So, in your Craigslist ad, you're saying, I have a, uh, a contract for a lease purchase on a three bedroom house in this area at this address for this price. And you're selling the option to that contract, um, to that property for $3,000 or $5,000, or even for notes. You can create a note. Remember, we talked about cash flow. All right. Let's say you find a great tenant buyer. That um, has a good income and has a good realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years. You can assign, you can create a note and assign your contract to that tenant buyer for $200 a month for that note. Okay? Uh, So there's a lot of really good creative ways to get great cash flow, even on deals that you don't stay in the middle on. That, do you get that does that make sense i mean when i talk about this i get so excited because it's such a powerful strategy uh, you could look at it and call it arbitrage um, it's it's where you're you're leveraging a paper you're leveraging control of these properties all right so advertise the contract not the property and again talk to a local attorney and i would suggest even you have an attorney do this do your paperwork for you Okay, Uh, go to your local REA group, find a real estate and friendly, a creative real estate friendly attorney and tell them, listen, I want to do lease options. All right. Tell them what you're doing. I say, I'm looking for property investment properties that I can build in my portfolio where I can lease from the seller and then sublease it to a tenant buyer. I'm going to stay in the middle. And every once in a while, when I find a deal, the numbers don't work. I just don't want to be in it. I'm just going to sell my interest in that contract to somebody else will you help me and do all the paperwork for me? All right. And then you can give them the contracts that you want them to use and they can review them or they give you their own contracts, but then you just pay him 500 bucks for every deal that you do. All right. Well worth the expense. And it's also going to cover your tush. If you get into any trouble having this attorney help you do that. Okay. So I know I went through that really, really fast and I, I, I there's a whole lot I could spend and talk about this. I love this strategy so much because it, it really can work well in the location-independent business that I think I, I love, and I think a lot of you guys are interested in figuring out for yourself as well because these deals, you can outsource almost everything to other folks. You can outsource your marketing to a virtual assistant. Okay, I'd suggest you talk to the sellers first yourself, but eventually you could outsource even talking to sellers and you can outsource the marketing of the properties as well. You don't have to go see the houses. You don't have to be an expert negotiator. you just make a ton of offers, make a ton of offers. You don't have to talk to sellers for an hour on the phone. You don't have to go look at the house and build rapport with them and sit at the kitchen table. Okay, Um, so it's such such a great way to create win win on these, on, on, on for, for you and the sellers and the tenant buyers, okay? And it's a great way to build your retirement portfolio because there's a lot of properties out there that you couldn't buy, even if you had perfect credit, even if you had great income and you could verify everything and get a bunch of bank loans, they're a pain in the butt to do. So this is a way that you can start building up your portfolio and getting cash now, cash flow, and cash later, and within a few years, pretty easily have, um, a, a, you know, a million dollars in cash and equity follow and do using these kinds of strategies, okay? So uh, I, I've i just created a survey. If you go to WLOSurvey.com, survey.com, WLO is for Wholesaling Lease Options, Survey.com. I, I prepared like seven or eight questions on there. I'd like to get your feedback on this. I'd like to know what you think about this stuff. Am I... Um, just full of it. Do you think that this is something you'd like to learn more about? I'd like to know, I'd like to know what are the, some of the questions or the, some of the concerns you have about strategies like this, because I'm doing a webinar later this week. And if you're listening to this a few weeks later down the road, that's fine. You go to these, these links, they'll still be available. And I'm, I'm going to be doing these webinars over and over again in the future. Um, But I'm going to be taking the survey and the answers you're giving me in the survey and kind of prepare a webinar that answers your questions and your concerns, um, things that you're most interested in learning about and why I'm going to be addressing those in the webinar, okay? So if you're interested in the webinar, you should also go to wlowebinar.com, wlowebinar.com, and you can sign up for the webinar. Now, um, you can go to the show notes if you've can't write these uh, links down. If you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and download the show notes and get this mind map that I've been looking at here. And um, you can sign up, do the survey and sign up for the webinar if you want. So basically on this webinar, I'm going to be talking about the three secrets to building tremendous uh, real estate wealth using lease options without having to see the home, with just using your computer while you're traveling around the world from a cafe in Prague like we're at and um, with, with, without using any of your own money or credit to buy these homes and you don't need a ton of experience so anybody could get started right away doing it. Do you see why I'm so excited about it? So I'm going to be doing this webinar and I'm going to be showing you an opportunity that you can have to learn this stuff to watch me actually do a deal from Prague In St. Louis, so I'm updating my course. I'm starting to do these deals again, and I'm super, super excited about this. I'm going to be sharing with you what I call the three secrets. And this is a fancy title here. Let's—I don't even know if I'm going to be using this or not yet. But this is what I wrote down uh, on the fly: three secrets. I'm going to be sharing on this webinar three secrets for stress-free abundance by creating cash now, cash flow, cash later through simple lease options without using any of your own money or credit to buy the homes, and without any experience required. Okay, Um, the three secrets I'm going to be sharing, um, how to make a quick five grand in the next 30 days with only a laptop and a cell phone using Craigslist. Okay, secret number two, I'm going to be talking about how to come up with a game plan to make $5,000 a month in residual cash flow within the next six to 12 months. Okay, secret number three, my cash later strategy, I'm going to show you how you can have a million dollars in cash and equity in less than seven years, probably five or six years, by buying low, renting smart and selling high. I'm going to be giving you examples of this stuff. Now, huge income disclaimer again because I don't I I I want to make sure I'm very very clear. I'm not guaranteeing that anybody can do can can make this kind of money. I'm not even guaranteeing that if you do all the things I tell you to do that you can make this kind of money. It's so dependent on so many things, okay, that are outside of my control. But I can give you a plan that shows you how to do these things, okay? And I can tell you this as well, Most people that I teach these strategies to do not have any success with it. Why? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Okay. A lot of it has to do with, they just don't take any action and they don't take massive enough action. People are afraid sometimes of success or they're afraid of failure. Most people who buy my systems, who buy my coaching or whatever, um, do not make a ton of money doing it. Now, why on earth am I selling or telling you that? I'm just trying to be honest and upfront with you, okay? Um, I do have students that are very successful. I just talked to a student yesterday that's done over 20 deals since April, which is about uh, four months now, um, in a very competitive, difficult market just having crazy success. Last week I had two students send me a picture of a check where they made five grand on their first deal. Super excited. I have testimony after testimony after testimony of people that are doing what I tell them to do and teach and making great money. Now, will you? No, I don't know. I'm not going to make any guarantees or promises. And, um, So anyway, I beat that horse dead, and I'm not going to talk about that anymore, except on the webinar, I'm going to give another big disclaimer. So I'm just wanting to make sure that um, front and center, that's my income disclaimer, not guaranteeing or promising any of these results. And these results that I talk about that I'm having um, are not typical. Cool? Um, I'm excited about this, guys. So go to the realestateinvestingmastery.com, check out the show notes to get the mind map, uh go to wlo survey.com to, to fill out the survey. Go to wlowebinar.com to sign up for the webinar. I'm going to be talking about these three secrets. I'm going to be talking about in more detail how to tie up these properties and make fantastic money by controlling properties and not owning them. Okay? So cool. Wlowebinar.com or wlo survey.com. And I appreciate it. Again, one more thing too. Again, don't forget. If you're listening to this. Three months, six months down the road, you still go to that website. You can either watch a replay of the webinar, or I'll be doing the webinar live again frequently as we go down the road. I'm excited about this. This is something that um, I'm going to be. I'm doing right now from Prague, in St. Louis, in several different markets as well. And I just want to show you how I do it because I know it's going to help you. All right. So take care, guys. See you later. Bye bye.